All right, well, let me open our time together this morning with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you uh, for this uh, new year and that in this new year we can come together and study your word. We pray that um, you would instruct us, not just our minds, but uh, that you would uh, prick our hearts, showing us our sin, showing our need for our Savior, um, prick our wills that we would uh, do the things that you have commanded us to do um, and to flee from sin, uh, be putting it to death uh, in our moral bodies. We pray that um, the same spirit that spoke to the prophet Jeremiah would speak to us this morning. And even as we see um, Jeremiah proclaim judgments against the nation of Babylon, um, it's proclaiming judgments against um, sins that we too are, are liable to. So um, help us uh, to not focus on um, just Babylon's wrongdoing, but to see uh, how uh, much Babylon um, has uh, infected us. We pray that um, you would uh, uh, open our eyes, um, open our ears, um, uh, open our hands and feet to, to hear and to, to see and to do the things um, that you've commanded us to do. We ask all this in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 50. Yes, 50. <laughs> we are getting close to the end, and just since this is our first Sunday school uh, meeting of the new year pushed back by the snowstorm last week. Um, let me just give you a sense of the plan, what we're doing, because uh, obviously we're not going to spend an entire semester on three chapters. We could. <laughs> they're long chapters, uh, but they're not that long. Um, so the plan is, um, uh, the session uh, decided at our last meeting, uh, I would finish Jeremiah and then continue through Jeremiah's second book, the Book of Lamentations. Uh, so once we've um, finished Jeremiah's um, book of prophecy, we'll look at uh, his experience and expression of grief at the fall of Jerusalem and what has befallen um, his people in the book of Lamentations. Uh, that will probably take us to the beginning, uh, roughly the first or second week of March. And then at that point, uh, we're going to transition to a topical um, series of Sunday schools uh, on the church. So we'll be looking at various aspects of the church. Uh, Pastor Kerr is going to take the lead on that, um, but uh, soliciting the aid of other uh, elders in the congregation. Um, so uh, just to give you a sense of the plan uh, going forward, that's where we're headed. But today we're in Jeremiah chapter 50. Uh, and for those of you, um, it's been a long time, <laughs> uh, almost a month, <laughs> four weeks since we last had Sunday school. Let me remind you where we are. So we're in a section of the prophecies of Jeremiah um, that he announced back at the beginning of chapter 46. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. So for the last, uh, starting in chapter 46, uh, 47, 48, 49, um, we've seen prophecies that have been focused on Judah's neighbors, um, starting with Egypt, then going to Philistia, Moab, Ammon, Edom, Syria, Ar Arabian or Arabic uh, nomads, and finally Elam was the, the final prophecy we saw 
at the end of chapter 49. Um, so we, we've reached the point um, where we're, we're going to uh, address prophecies, a collection of prophecies that are focused on the, the largest nation, the most consequential nation uh, in terms of Judah's history, uh, the most consequential um, nation that we've seen uh, talked about repeatedly through the book, um, Babylon. And the amount of material that Jeremiah gives us concerning Babylon is, if you add up the verses, it's two chapters, but if you add up the verses, um, it's almost as much as what he said about all those other nations. <laughs> so clearly, um, Babylon uh, is the culminating uh, nation um, in this series of prophecies against the nations. And um, I was thinking a lot about this this week. Uh, you can almost see um, a, a shift taking place um, in this um, section of Jeremiah. Like, if you think about what the, like, what nation represented the epitome of, of evil or the epitome of what they're trying to get away from, um, it, it was Egypt. Like, Egypt uh, is mentioned over and over. Um, going forward from Jeremiah, Babylon becomes that synonym for evil, and I think you really see that um, in the book of Revelations, where, where Babylon um, is, and the, the, the pers personification of Babylon as this uh, a woman in the book of Revelation. We see, we'll see that in chapter 50, uh, the daughter of Babylon, or as some translations I looked at this week, um, Miss Babylon. So it, it's representing Babylon as this feminine figure that is in opposition to everything that God is, is doing through his people. So it becomes kind of the arch enemy um, going forward. Um, we'll see uh, as we, we read and study chapter 50, uh, we'll see how there's a lot of similarity um, between what God is saying he's going to do to Babylon to, to what he said he would do to his people through Babylon. So like, uh, like common phrases, like throughout the book, this enemy from the north that is going to strike Judah has been Babylon. And now we'll see in these prophecies from Babylon another enemy from the north. Um, it doesn't name it uh, yet, but it's the Medes and the Persians is going to be the enemy of the north that sweeps upon Babylon. So just as they are a destructive, have been a destructive force from the north, they're going to suffer from a destructive force from the north. And that's just one of many kind of similarities we'll see, hopefully, um, between what Jeremiah has said is going to befall his people at the hands of the Babylonians and what's going to befall the Babylonians at the hands of other nations. All right. So with that as a word of introduction, let me read for us um, Jeremiah chapter 50. The word that the Lord spoke concerning Babylon, concerning the land of the Chaldeans, by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations and proclaim. Set up a banner and proclaim. Conceal it not and say, Babylon is taken. Bel is put to shame. Merodach is dismayed, her images are put to shame, her idols are dismayed. For out of the north a nation has come up against her, 
which shall make her a land a desolation, and none shall dwell in it, both man and beast shall flee away. In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah shall come together, weeping as they come, and they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with faces turned toward it, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. All who found them have devoured them. And their enemies have said, we are not guilty, for they have sinned against the Lord, their habitation of righteousness, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Flee from the midst of Babylon and go out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as male goats before the flock. For behold, I am stirring up and bringing against Babylon a gathering of great nations from the north country, and they shall arrange themselves against her. From there she shall be taken. Their arrows are like a skilled warrior who does not return empty-handed. Chaldea shall be plundered. All who plunder her shall be sated, declares the Lord. Though you rejoice, though you exult, O plunderers of my heritage, though you frolic like a heifer in the pasture and neigh like stallions, your mother shall be utterly shamed. And she who bore you shall be disgraced. Behold, she shall be the last of the nations, a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but shall be in utter desolation. Everyone who passes by Babylon shall be appalled and hiss because of her wounds. Set yourselves in array against Babylon all around. All you who bend the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows for she has sinned against the Lord. Raise a shout against her all around. She has surrendered. Her bulwarks have fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For this is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her. Do to her as she is done. Cut off from Babylon the sower and the one who handles the sickle in time of harvest. Because of the sword of the oppressor, everyone shall turn to his own people and everyone shall flee to his own land. Israel is a hunted sheep, driven away by lions. First the king of Assyria devoured him, and now at last Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has gnawed his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing punishment on the king of Babylon and his land, as I punish the king of Assyria. I will restore Israel to his pasture, and he shall feed on Carmel and, on, and in Bashan, and his desire shall be satisfied on the hills of Ephraim and in Gilead. In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, iniquity shall be sought in Israel, and there shall be none, and sin in Judah, and none shall be found, for I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. Go up against the land of Marathiam, and against the inhabitants of Pecod, kill and devote them to destruction, declares the Lord, and do all that I have commanded you. The noise of battle is in the land, a great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth is cut down and broken. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. I set a snare for you, and you were taken, O Babylon, and you did not know it. 
You are found and caught because you oppose the Lord. The Lord has opened his armory and brought out the weapons of his wrath. For the Lord God of hosts has a work to do in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from every quarter, open her granaries, pile her up like heaps of grain, and devote her to destruction. Let nothing be left of her. Kill all her bulls, let them go down to the slaughter. Woe to them, for their day has come, the time of their punishment. A voice, they flee and escape from the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God. Vengeance for his temple, summon archers against Babylon, all those who bend the bow, and camp around her, let no one escape. Repay her according to her deeds, do to her according to all that she has done. For she has proudly defied the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Therefore her young men shall fall in her squares, and all her soldiers shall be destroyed on that day, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O proud one, declares the Lord of hosts. For your day has come, the time when I, punish, I will punish you. The proud one shall stumble and fall with none to raise him up. And I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it will devour all that is around him. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the people of Israel are oppressed, and the people of Judah with them. All who took them captive have held them fast. They refuse to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. A sword against the Chaldeans, declares the Lord, and against the inhabitants of Babylon, and against her officials and her wise men. A sword against the diviners, that they may become fools. A sword against her warriors, that they may be destroyed. A sword against her horses, and against her chariots, and against all the foreign troops in her midst, that they may become women. A sword against all her treasures, that they may be plundered. A drought against her waters, that they may be dried up. For it is a land of images, and they are mad over idols. Therefore wild beasts shall dwell with hyenas in Babylon, and ostriches shall dwell in her. She'll now, she shall never again have people, nor be inhabited for all generations. As when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities, declares the Lord, so no man shall dwell there, and no son of man shall sojourn in her. Behold, a people comes from the north, a mighty nation and many kings are stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They lay hold of bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring of the sea. They ride on horses, arrayed as a man for battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon heard the report of them and his hands fell helpless. Anguish seized him, pain as of a woman in labor. Behold, like a lion coming up from the thicket of the Jordan against a perennial pasture, I will suddenly make them run away from her, and I will appoint over her whomever I choose. For who is like me? Who will summon me? What shepherd can stand before me? Therefore hear the plan that the Lord has made against Babylon, and the purposes that he has formed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the little ones of their flock shall be dragged away, Surely their fold shall be appalled at their fate. At the sound of the capture of Babylon, the earth shall tremble, and her cry be heard among the nations.
thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it um, this morning. All right, so um, our chapter opens, um, this opening prophecy concerning the Babylonians. Um, what does it indicate about their destruction, and how is the destruction of Babylon in these, passage, or in these verses um, linked to the restoration of Israel? So what do we see um, the, the criers crying out at the beginning? What's going to befall Babylon, and what does that mean for the people of God? Taking a long drink. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, so as we see this opening salvo, um, it's this nation from the north um, is going to come out of the north. A nation has come up against her, which shall make her land a desolation. Um, and it's not only, uh, as Dave says, Babylon, the city itself, going to be taken, the, the people captured and become part of another empire, her gods. Um, and Bel is put to shame. Merodach is dismayed. Merodach is the, um, the Hebrew um, name for the Babylonian god Marduk. So, uh, and by this time in, in Babylonian history, Bel and Marduk have been kind of merged into one single deity. So Bel becomes kind of like the title, and then Marduk is the god. But this is the supreme god in the Babylonian pantheon. So Bel means master or lord. You can see its relation to Baal, uh, B-A-A-L, um, in, in Canaanite. Um, so just as Baal means lord, so Bel in Babylonian means lord. So, so Marduk, uh, so Bel and Marduk. And the language here, I, I wish sometimes, tran translations, I, it's hard to be a translator like, yeah, um, <laughs> like because as my one of my uh, professors used to say, like languages aren't equivalent to one another. It's not this term equals this in this language. You have to find it's always approximation. So our our translators here are trying to find some kind of approximation of a Hebrew word. But but this phrase um, is dismayed. Um, literally, it's pile of excrement. <laughs> it's like a little more. <laughs> um, so it's it, when it's describing these these gods, it's literally saying they're they're a pile of <laughs> uh, of poo. <laughs> um, so it's 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 not just saying these these gods are going to be um, ashamed. Like they they themselves are shameful things, just like. And you don't want to have anything to do with them, just like you don't want to have anything to do with. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> I like the ball of excrement better. Um, but but yeah, so it's a destruction of the this empire of Babylon. Um, who again, like, put yourselves in the position of the Judeans at this time. You know, think about who. Uh, Jeremiah's audience has been there you know for 40 years he's been preaching about the coming fall of Jerusalem and the focus 
of that has been the Babylonians. And once they're going through that and experiencing that, and the Babylonians are doing horrible things um, to the, the city of God, it's hard to sort of see, okay, what God's doing in this moment. Like, uh, the, the Jerusalem's destroyed, the temple is destroyed, the Babylonians are preeminent. Um, so as we think about, you know, the context in which Jeremiah is giving these, these words, he's been saying the Babylonians are going to do these horrible things, and it, it would be easy for people to become kind of hopeless um, in that moment. Um, and so, but he, he's reminding them that Babylon too is, is going to be judged and held accountable for her actions. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and it's it, it, as often is the case in in prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. They both do this thing, like the blow that is striking against Babylon, and you know, a blow in judgment, a blow of destruction, is the same blow that uh, leads to salvation for the people of God, um, for restoration. Um, and in this, you can see both the um, the immediate. Uh, redemptive act of God, bringing his people back to the land. They're, they're setting their face um, westwards. They're, they're going home. Like they're, like they, they're asking the directions. <laughs> like how do we get back to, to Judah? How do we get back to Jerusalem? They're turning, and they're not just seeking the land and a place, uh, as you say. They're turning, and they're seeking a God. It's, it's um, instituting this new moment um, where They've broken this covenant with God, but God is going to forge an everlasting covenant uh, through this. Um, and we've seen it, um, and, and you taught part of that book of consolation that Jeremiah gave us other uh, or earlier, uh, speaking of this everlasting covenant that God is going to establish with his people. So it, it's taking the proximate, um, the near, which is the restoration of the people of the land, and he's folding into that the ultimate, uh, the ultimate salvation of God delivering his people um, to the point, as we'll see later, where, you know, their, their iniquity is going to be purged from the land. Like, and how can that happen? It's not because of them, but it's because of the pardoning work of God, the atoning work of God that we saw earlier in Jeremiah is going to, to deal with what the Judah's and Israel's problem has been, which is their sin. And this everlasting covenant is going to address that eternal, um, uh, you know, that in, internal uh, heart change that needs to take place. Um, and he's linking those two things together, which again is, makes sense why Babylon is going to come to stand for the forces that oppose the people of God. Um, so as we get to, again, to Revelation, um, we, Babylon, this, this really is a new moment in redemptive history where God is bringing Babylon to judgment in the act of bringing restoration and salvation for his people. Good. What else uh, strikes you about 
these opening verses. So it's a bringing down of Babylon, it's bringing down of their gods, um, but it's also a, a restoration of Israel to their land, bringing these people um, back uh, to the land of promise, back to Zion. So when it's using Zion, it's really, you know, focused on, on the, you know, like a place of worship. Um, Zion is that, that place where, um, where God is, is in residence, where God is to be worshiped. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, and, and this actually leads to my next question, the reasons for which Babylon being judged. Um, and um, uh, Cindy raised this a couple weeks ago, um, like how can God bring judgment against the Babylonians when they're doing exactly what, what you know, he's using them to do? And he said he's gonna use them to bring, so how, how can he punish them then for doing, you know, being the executors of, of what he's done? Um, and I didn't have a good answer <laughs> then. I think I have a better answer now. So a couple of images came to mind uh, afterwards class. That's usually, I think of good things, like I'm like George Costanza driving home. That's what I should have said, turning the car around. Um, so I came up with a couple of ways to think about this. And, and we see these in our text. Notice what they're being, you know, um, things they're being judged for. Um, it's their arrogance. It's not what they've, uh, they've taken delight in what they're doing to God's people. Um, they're, um, they're, they've taken, like, like in this, okay, God has, has given us this, you know, we, God is judging them, we're the instrument of judgment, and they're taking that, as my friend James Glover used to say, as a license to ill, like that they can do whatever they want to Israel, and they can't. Um, and, and the examples, uh, so I came up with a couple of examples, um, again, afterwards. <laughs> but now, we, when we actually come to the passage, uh, they're there for me, so it, it was really helpful. Um, so the first one comes from my childhood. So my mother gave her children authorization to kill squirrels. We had a half-acre garden behind her house. She's trying to grow food to feed you know, her, the nine of us, my parents and their seven children, <laughs> um, and our main competitors for food from that garden were squirrels, so she gave a bounty. Um, but if she found us, like, so we had a BB gun, that's what we're armed with. So if she found we had wounded a squirrel and were torturing it or, you know, doing something horrible to the squirrel rather than quickly dispatching it, she would have 
tan my hide, <laughs> uh, to use the southern expression. Um, you know, she, I would have been punished because that's not, she, she wasn't enjoining cruelty upon squirrels. She was enjoining, uh, you know, she had given us um, a license to kill the squirrel and to do it um, quickly, to do it without torture, to do it without sadism, um, to, to do a task. Um, but if we had taken that and abused the squirrel, done horrible things to the squirrel, we had exceeded the license she's given us. The second example um, is that I thought of is from the, like you can think of something like people who have an authorization from the state to take life, um, a soldier, an executioner. Um, so uh, and the, the movie The Green Mile came to mind, and if you've ever seen the movie, it, The Green Mile is this death row. So you have executions, and it's Tom Hanks and his fellow guards are there, and they're the ones who are putting someone in the chair, pulling the switch. But there's one guard who is a sadist. Like, like he's not doing a job, he's delight, delighting in the death of other people, and not to give too much fuller, at one point in the movie during execution, he, he does something that rather than leading to a swift death in the electric chair, leads to the most horrific death you could ever imagine. So, you know, the movie's making a distinction between, all right, men carrying out their job because the state's told them to, and this guy who is delighting in taking life, doing it in such a horrible way that it brings torture. The third example I thought of, um, there's an essay that I sometimes assign students in my history methods class called The Great Cat Massacre. They always get upset because, <laughs> like, it's cruelty to animals day, sorry. Um, but uh, these apprentices in this print shop in Paris were getting up on the roof and um, mimicking cats to keep their master awake at night. So they did this, and it was kind of like a juvenile form of protest of their labor conditions. So um, he turns around and he says, I want you to kill cats to, to get rid of them. And they use it as a license to not work that day. And they go around and they're torturing cats all over the neighborhood, including killing the master's cat <laughs> itself, um, who, like, again, as the story goes on, is better fed than these apprentices who the master is supposed to be taking care of. So like, and he like is completely undone by this because they've exceeded the authorization that he gave them. So as we think about the, the Babylonians um, carrying out judgment against God's people, um, what are the reasons that Jeremiah is giving, pointing us to in this text for why he's bringing judgment against Babylon? So what is he? What are some of the, the reasons that God gives for punishing the Babylonians? A hint, look for the word because. There are several becauses. So what are some of the becauses we see? Yes, Cynthia.
Yeah, and if you think, like, again, like, um, like another example, of, like, of, of giving people authority to, to, to kill, like, soldiers. Um, but soldiers don't have the right to, to rape. The soldiers don't have the right to plunder. Like, so, you know, like, you kind of think, like, but they're, they're oppressing. They're going beyond just the, what they've been called to do. Yeah, and I was thinking, um, I, I, I've started like getting, like, walking the dog is helpful. Like, I think of things, and I, like, I think of, like, um, arrogance and its relationship to the word arrogate. So if you think of someone who arrogates, they're taking power, they're taking something that doesn't belong um, to them, and, and that leads to arrogance. So it's, and we see that attitude in, throughout this. Like, uh, again, translation, I wish every time it says they're proud, it, it's really, they're arrogant. Like, um, and they're taking delight and pleasure. Like, and it, it, like I mean, it, you got the image. Like, it's like a heifer in the spring grass. <laughs> it's like my dog in the snow. Like, last Sunday was the first time, like, I wish we had filmed it Sunday morning. Like, that dog loves snow. <laughs> like, even now, like this morning coming from home from the walk, there's still the pile from where I shoveled it in my front yard. Before we go into the house, she's like, I have to dive in it. <laughs> and it's just the joy and delight. Um, and they have taken that, that, that arrogant joy and delight in inflicting um, this uh, oppression upon other peoples and particularly upon God's heritage. So, so notice the offense is always being labeled as an offense against Yahweh, against the Lord, against God. It's his heritage that they have despoiled. Um, it's his people. It's his temple. Um, the offense is against him. So it's not, they're, they're being judged for what they're doing against Judah, but it's because Judah are the people of God of God, and they have arrogantly delighted in doing this against the people of God. Again, like, they're, they're, they're a sadistic executioner rather than a serious executioner who's just doing a task to the limit of, of, of which they are allowed to. Well, we did see earlier that Nebuchadnezzar um, protected, gave instructions to protect Jeremiah. So perhaps he has heard some of these prophecies from Jeremiah saying, so Jeremiah has been saying that, the, God is using the Babylonians to punish you for your sin. So maybe he has heard, like he certainly has heard something of Jeremiah's message because we saw earlier 
he give instructions to his captain of the guard, you know, don't take this guy to exile, ask him what he wants, he can live wherever he wants, because he's being perceived as pro-Babylonian. Whereas, as this passage clearly shows, Jeremiah is not pro-Babylonian, he's pro-Yahweh. And so he knows that the Babylonians are only a tool. So, so maybe Nebuchadnezzar has, has heard this message, and that's why, see, God has given them over to our hands, so therefore we can do whatever we want to them. But um, So he's, yeah, arrogating himself powers over God's people, while also, you know, they're taking um, uh, the things from the temple and putting them to service to their gods, um, and particularly to Bel Marduk. Um, so, you know, it's establishing the supremacy of his culture, his God, his people over the God of Israel, Yahweh. Um, and he, again, is not recognizing that Yahweh is not just the God of Israel, he's the God of all peoples. And, and, and as you say, again, the, the refrain there is it's because of the offenses that they have done against God. Like that is the reason that God is bringing such vehement wrath upon the Babylonians. Um, so uh, what, what are some of the ways we, we've hinted at this, but again, to try to think of like things that run throughout the chapter. What are some of the ways that you see the punishments that are falling upon the Babylonians mirroring what God has said he's going to use the Babylonians to do against Judah. So, like, uh, I guess the, what are some of the ways the punishment fits the crime that the Babylonians are being accused of? Yes, Cynthia. Yeah, so just as they've plundered, they too will be plundered. Just as they have taken down the walls of other cities, their walls, and particularly the walls of Jerusalem, their walls will be taken down. Yeah, let, let's, let's actually do this. Let's flip over to chapter 6 real quick. Um, so if you think about what he's saying in, in these, this chapter, uh, I mean, he's, he's as um, Ronnie just noted, he's using a lot, just as he said that Jerusalem would be devoted to destruction, um, so too Babylon is being devoted 
to destruction. Um, so I'm trying to find the verse, um, the verse I want um, in chapter 6. So let's start in like verse 22 um, of chapter 6. Thus says the Lord, Behold, a people is coming from the north country, a great nation is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They hold on bow and javelin, they are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring sea. They ride on horses, set in array as a man of battle, against you, O daughter of Zion. So now think of, behold the people, so this is back in chapter 50, uh, verses four, verse 41, starting in verse 41. Behold, a people comes from the north, a mighty nation and mighty kings are stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They lay hold of bow and spear, they are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring of the sea, they ride on horses arrayed as a man for battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. <laughs> so just like almost the exact same uh, language is used back in chapter 6 to describe what God is, is going to do against, O oh, oh daughter Jerusalem, O oh daughter Babylon. <laughs> like, it, it's the, you know, people from the north, mighty nation, many kings, farthest parts of the earth, bow and spear, cruel with no mercy, sound of them is like the roaring of the sea. They ride on horses, arrayed as a man for battle against you, O oh daughter of, and then fill in the blank. <laughs> Chapter 6 fills it in Jerusalem. Uh, chapter 50 fills it in Babylon. Um, so the language, uh, I, I think it's really um, noteworthy that the language that Jeremiah is saying, what God is going to do to Babylon, is almost precisely the same in this instance as what he, he did, said Babylon would do to Jerusalem. Yeah, Chris, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you bid and you didn't know. <laughs> I actually bought a painting that way once. <laughs> Wait, no, <laughs> I didn't raise my hand. Yeah, like again, so much of the language by this point in the book of Jeremiah, should sound familiar to us. Um, and the, the point that Jeremiah is really making is that what is going to befall Babylon mirrors what befalls Jerusalem. The difference is Jerusalem has a redeemer. Jerusalem has a restorer. Jerusalem has the God where... Babylon's gods are, again, a, a ball of excrement. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so it's, it's saying, like, God is doing similar things against these people, but to different ends. And the end that he's holding out before, um, for his people um, is that in those days and in that time, declares the Lord, iniquity shall be sought in Israel and there shall be none and sin in Judah, and there shall be none, for I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. Um, uh, or verse 33, 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, the people of Israel are oppressed and the people of Judah with them. All who took them captive have held them fast. They refuse to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause that he may give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. So he's holding out. Yes, similar things are befalling these two sets of people. But the difference is that Israel has a strong redeemer and the Lord of hosts is his name. So what, yeah, what, what, what strikes you about how God is using these prophecies of destruction against Babylon to give his people hope um, and to give them uh, confidence in a future that, again, as that, that seems, uh, yeah, confidence of a, a secure future in the midst of the chaos of destruction and judgment upon Jerusalem. Yeah, Chris, now you're in. <laughs> I, I just anticipated, like you had the look of someone who wanted to say something and just didn't know yet. Yeah, and it's his it's his power to save, and um, and like it's we saw the same stubborn sense of arrogance and pride in the Judeans, like, and they have to be humbled, uh, and they have to be brought to see that their only hope is is in the Lord, um, and in this chapter we see over and over again the Babylonians are arrogant, they're proud, um, and it's that that self-pride, uh, and we see this in our own um, day and culture, it's that self-pride, that self-arrogance is one of the biggest barriers that keep people from acknowledging the reality of God because they don't, you know, it's a question of submission. They might acknowledge a God's existence, but, but refuse to submit to that God. Um, and, and that is, you know, the defining offense, refusing, you know, like you can either bow before this God in repentance and, and looking to that God for mercy, or he'll make you bow down <laughs> um, by the sword. And notice how I, I love like, the, the poetic aspect of verses 35 
um, through 38. A sword against the Chaldeans, declares the Lord. A sword against the diviners. A sword against her warriors. A sword against her horses and against her chariots. A sword against all her treasures. Um, it, it literally is a sword against her waters. I don't know why they changed it to a drought there. I guess to just... Um, but it's a sword against her waters. Like it's... God is laying total waste um, to, to the, these people because of their arrogation of powers that don't belong to them and their arrogance in using those powers. Other things? Yeah, Grant. Yeah, and, and I should say the comfort that comes from that. Like, it, and it's, again, like, it's so easy. Like, I, I mean, I, I've never faced anything like these Judeans faced. I've never lived through what they lived through. So I'm only imagining how hopeless, how helpless you can feel at that moment. How supreme um, and powerful the Babylonians, to, to the extent, like, you could imag never imagine something replacing them. And something replaces them pretty fast <laughs> in terms of, of human history. Their, their empire really doesn't last all that long. Um, and it's, you know, as the book of Daniel uh, emphasizes, look, that one's going to fall. It's going to be succeeded by this one. That one's going to fall. It's going to be succeeded. Like, that's, that's the human story. Um, and, and your trust and your hope uh, should rely in the God behind those kingdoms rather than any of one of those kingdoms. And your despair of any one of those kingdoms should, should be um, comforted by the fact that there's a God who's using them for a purpose. I don't know what that purpose is at this moment, um, but I know that he will execute right judgments upon them. He will hold them accountable for what they're doing, even if nobody else at this moment can do so. But there, there is a judgment coming, and it's God who... Uh, holds their future secure. Um, I wanted to end with a prayer but I for, from Calvin, but I forgot to mark it, so you might have to... Um, oh. It's going to be easier for me to find it here um, because this commentary quotes the Calvin commentary. Um, so uh, there's this... Um, I want to wanted to close on, on this, and it, it really ties, Calvin's prayer ties um, a lot to what Grant just said. So as we kind of think of application, so um, as Grant just led us in direction of application in the hope, uh, in the sovereign God, um, this is how Calvin ended his lectures uh, on, on this chapter. Hold on. Ah, keep losing my page. Um, all right, so I'm going to close this in prayer, but I'm using the words from Calvin here. All right, let us pray. Grant, almighty God, that as thou hast designed once to take us under thy protection, we may always raise up our eyes to thine infinite power, and that when we see all things not only confounded, but also trodden underfoot by the world, we may not yet doubt 
but that thy power is sufficient to deliver us, so that we may perpetually call on thy name, and with firm constancy so fight against all temptations, that we may at length enjoy in thy celestial kingdom the fruit of our victory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so next week we'll continue with judgments against uh, Babylonians. So Jeremiah is not done with them, and neither are we. So. As my friend Jean LaRue said, used to say, it's not parenting until they outnumber you. <laughs> Which is about to happen. <laughs> and uh, you have to learn to switch from man to man to zone.
Hey, wait, put your stuff down, and then if you could give me a hand. Thank you, sir. How'd the last new members class go? It's over. <laughs> it, it, it went? <laughs> Jay in his chart. <laughs> Oh, it's so, like, it's one of those movies that I'm like, and especially that part is like, I'm so glad I can't smell this. Like, if there was smell vision like, oh. you could just imagine what it would, oh.